Well, I'm excited to be able to be here with you all and my friend, my sweet friend Val, who's in our small group and I've known for many years, um, came along too. So, um, but I'm excited to be able to share about how I've seen God's generous wisdom displayed through disability. Um, and I'm imagining that all of you can look back through your life, even though you're young, and um, think about a time when specific God brought specific circumstances or even maybe a you know, particular suffering into your life uh, that caused you to grow spiritually or to um, receive some kind of blessing. And um, you might even call those outcomes or the blessing or the growth resurrections. And I get that idea from a book called J-Curve. Uh, it's by Paul Miller. And the subtitle is Dying and Rising with Jesus in Everyday Life. And um, in the book, uh, Paul Miller explains that throughout the Christian life, God takes us through continual deaths and resurrections. And through those dyings and risings, we are offered the fellowship of Christ's suffering. And of course, that's what Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about in Philippians. Um, as I look back over 16 years of life with William, that's what I see, that God has taken me through a death and a resurrection. And um, through that, the Lord has given me uh, a much greater love for Jesus. Um, I don't know that I would have that kind of love for Jesus had I not been through the things I have with William. And of course, I've also gotten a much greater love and appreciation for William. So... Um, I'm going to walk through just chronologically my story and the time I have. Um, Beth is sweet enough to be here tonight, and she's going to get a video clip of a few video clips of William going that my dear husband put together, um, and then just some scripture passages you'll hear as I as I walk through this that for me highlight how wisdom really carried us through these years. So I will begin with some context. Um, I was not raised in a Christian home. Um, I would consider from about the age, from birth to about the age of nine, I would call my childhood traumatic. Um, I don't disparage my parents at all for that. Uh, they also had trauma in their lives. Uh, it was really amazing this past May. My dad passed away very suddenly, and it was uh, really sweet to be with my family and marvel at God's grace poured out on us th through the years. But the early years were hard and they left a deep mark. Uh, when I was 20 though, Jesus saved me. He amazingly saved me. He took the blinders off. I got into good churches and began to grow. I had a lot of Christian counseling to help me process my childhood and the resulting anxiety and depression uh, that I had experienced. At 35, God answered prayer and brought a prince among men, Ron Jensen, into my life. And at 37, we were married, and I came to Minnesota, where he was already living. And I thought that I was a mature Christian. But as Pastor Sam often reminds us, God was not done. <laughs> so uh, after marriage, very quickly, the Lord blessed us with two children, 
Claire was born about 14 months after our wedding, about a few days short of my 39th birthday. And by the time I was 40, I was pregnant with Matthew. So that was a great gift. Um, but fast forward with me to January 2005. I was 42. I had had a miscarriage the year before. I had had a midwife tell me, the older you get, the more likely your chance of miscarriage or some other issue. So I sat on my bed trembling because I was looking at a positive pregnancy test, thinking, what have we done? And I was very afraid. Uh, I um, kept thinking about that <laughs> the midwife's words, and I thought, what if this baby has Down syndrome? And our beautiful family, what, you know, what is going to become of our beautiful family if that happens? But wisdom was reminding me, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. So obviously, or needless to say, Ron and I were very nervous at our first ultrasound. Um, the, ch the tech, Ron remembers being very chatty. And then she got quiet. And by the end of the ultrasound, the doctor came in and she, you know, took over the controls and she started saying, you know, showing us the baby's healthy features. She also, though, pointed out to us um, a nuchal, the nuchal fold on the back of baby's neck. And she said, this could be a borderline marker for Down syndrome or it could be nothing. <laughs> so we were very quiet, of course, and, and very um, concerned. The, the silence was broken by her offer for further testing. Uh, we opted not to do further testing, understanding that there could be a risk to the baby. I am not saying that I'm not supportive of some genetic testing. So <laughs> I think it can be very helpful for caring for children to know, you know certain things. But for us, we, we opted not to do that. Um, she also offered termination. Uh, so we left that day and uh, went to a cute little neighborhood in St. Paul. We love those cute little neighborhoods. And we went to walk and we cried and we prayed. And of course, um, we, although it was hard, we were thankful. Um, counted all joy, my brothers, right? when you meet trials of various kinds. So during my pregnancy, I would love to tell you a great victory story that I did so well, but I really struggled. My anxiety was very high. I was a perfectionist and I was very high control. Um, a lot of that was born out of a chaotic childhood, but those things had really become idols for me as an adult. Um, I uh, uh, was a believer I studied my Bible. I had tried to have a disciplined prayer life. But I think for me, the, my demand for ideal circumstances uh, really compelled me more than the Holy Spirit. I was very proud. I did not want anyone feeling sorry for us. And you know what I thought was a child with Down syndrome did not fit my image of my family. But wisdom confronted me. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. So as time went on, I, we began facing the possibility that um, we could have a child with Down syndrome. And I thought it would be very helpful to connect with a family maybe in similar circumstances. So the Lord provided an elder at Bethlehem named Rod Takata and his wife Martha. 
And we reached out to them and they invited us to dinner. They were so kind. And they had a very busy, loud, normal Bethlehem kind of family. Um, but I zeroed in on Mark, who is their son with Down syndrome. And Mark was very quiet, uh, but he was very integrated into their family. He loved to do puzzles. Um, and he, um, he, she had taught him to read. That was very encouraging. And then um, we looked at his baby book. And it was super sweet, and I could totally see she loved this young man just like she did all her other children. So I would just say that this sweet family, Wisdom, used that family to encourage us. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. Um, my hands are so dry, I can't turn my pages. So it was September by this time, and um, it was almost time for baby's arrival. Uh, recent ultrasounds had shown that there was a concern with some inflammation around his heart. Um, so at 36 weeks, I went in for my checkup, and they said, You're, we're going to deliver this baby. <laughs> so uh, Ron and I stationed ourselves at United Hospital. We uh, had a day of Pitocin dripping and uh, waiting and watching for labor to start. Uh, the whole day, Ron read to me The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And to this day, that is one of William's all-time favorite stories. Um, so on the evening of September 28, 2005, William Peter Jensen was born, and the labor and delivery nurse swaddled him and laid him on my chest and said, it looks like he has trisomy 21. And so I knew then, obviously, that God had given us what we would not have asked for, but he wisely gave it to us in a son, and we loved him. Wisdom assured us. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him. So after William was born, we had this kind of relief of knowing, you know, what our situation was and that he did have Down syndrome. But we were very overwhelmed. He was a preemie and he needed oxygen. So we spent, he spent the first 21 days of his life in the NICU. We, we marveled at all the wires and the monitors and wondered how long we'd have to leave Clara and Matthew at home with someone else. Um, and also how much it was costing to have 24-hour nursing care. <laughs> but um, anyway, we, I have a video here. So Beth, if you want to push this, this is William in the NICU and you'll see uh, Clara and I also. Look at all of this hair. We might, we might not be able to play with him for a while. Right. Those are his little, little window diapers that would change his diaper. They're small diapers. Teeny tiny. <laughs> those are newborn diapers. Why do we have to have those wires on? Just, um, well, remember how mommy had to wear the hospital yeah. bands? That's yeah. for his eye. So people know who he is. And then the little light on his foot is for his eye. This is a little clip for you. Um, so after William's birth, um, you know, it's not easy to describe our emotions. Uh, we were celebrating his life. We were thankful for every bit of progress he made. But we were grieving and, um, and sad um, about his situation. You know, he, William, would never be normal. He probably wouldn't drive. 
He probably wouldn't marry. Um, he might get a job, but would it be at a grocery store? It, it's just such a different paradigm. And I had to really guard my guard my thoughts <laughs> um, to, you know, protect myself from going crazy with those thoughts. Um, the hardest thing I would say in those early days or one of the hardest things was just trips to the store when, you know, people peek at your baby. And there were certainly times when people would look at William and they would look away and they wouldn't say anything. Um, that was hard. But I will say that Bethlehem, uh, they were amazing. <laughs> this church was amazing. Uh, they, they sorrowed with us, but they totally celebrated with us, William's life. We were showered with meals for months, and so many people were praying for us. You know, Ron and I both feel like our faith was carried by the faith of others that first year. And uh, Claire and Matthew loved their baby brother. <laughs> um, they would cheer him on in his tummy time. They would talk to him when he fussed. They gave him lots of hugs and kisses. And I just marvel that, um, at Jesus' wisdom when he said, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Early on, we were introduced um, to the disabled community and to those people who care for them. In that community, success is measured in tiny increments, not milestones. Um, the pace is very slow and long and sometimes feels very inefficient. But I have come to love and respect the therapists, the paras, the teachers that have worked with William. Even now, uh, we go see Michelle every Tuesday and we have seen her for 13 years to do speech therapy. For someone with low muscle tone and cognitive delays, acquiring the skill of clearly speaking is like Mount Everest. It's a, like a Mount Everest climb, and it's long. Um, so it's, it's just hard to describe. There was also Jane, a physical therapist that worked with William from six months old to about three years old. When, and when he finally took his first steps. So God's wisdom has been poured out through these therapists. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And here is William taking his first steps. Now, wait just a minute. Let's get your back here. Can you do it, Will? Come on. Oh, no. Let's try it again, Will. Here it goes. Show mom what you can do. <laughs> he was three then. Uh, so, anyway. Um, we had an encounter one day at a neighborhood park with worldly wisdom. And it was, our whole family had gone to the park near our house. We lived in St. Paul. And uh, it was very crowded that day. And William was... Um, Two, I guess, like I said, he and he was pulling himself up on the play gym, working so hard. And probably within five minutes, uh, two, two different children uh, looked up at me and made comments about William. The first one looked up at me and said, why is he so ugly? And then the second one, about two or three minutes later, said, he looks like a monster. I talk about the mama bear. <laughs> I mean, it was hard. Um, 
when we were walking home, though, I, I was fighting tears because um, we were with our other children, too. But God really revealed a resurrection that was happening in me. Uh, in the past, disabled people made me a little nervous. I really didn't have eyes to see their beauty. But God was really changing me. Um, so wisdom was working in me. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Um, I can't describe William's life, really, without talking about Bethlehem. Uh, attend, he's attended church here for years. Uh, the disability ministry here has uh, provided buddies for him throughout his Sunday school years. Last summer, Ben Catterson and Lexi Hennon, who's the disability ministry coordinator, uh, she and Ben helped to get William to junior high camp. And I never thought William would go to camp. So it was so sweet. And uh, he came home, sang the cabin chant, and his comment about the uh, other boys in his cabin was, I'm sure going to miss those guys. So it was super sweet. Um, you probably all know the passage in Corinthians that says um, that the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on the less honorable parts, we are to bestow greater honor. Bethlehem has honored William through people like Jim Tomachevsky. And Jim will stoop down in the hallway when he sees Will and open up his arms. Will runs over to his arms and they start rehearsing truths that Jim taught him in Sunday school years before. I wish I had a memory like my son because <laughs> he remembers everything. But it is the sweetest thing. And you know, their interaction crescendos into big smiles and always a, yay, God. So he's such a blessing. Another man who has honored William is a man named Brian Pratt. And Brian uh, is a man who I would say um, is very in tune with the Holy Spirit. And one day when we came into church, Brian pulled Ron and I aside in the hallway and he began to cry. And he told us... Um, he said, this morning when I saw you and Ron walk into church, um, I, and he said he thought, poor Ron and Lori. And he was thinking, feeling sorry for us because we had William. And he said immediately the Holy Spirit said to him, no, don't feel sorry for them. William will be a joy giver. And uh, it was, we were all crying in the hall <laughs> at that point. But um, it's true. He, has, he is a joy giver. And so I, I want you to watch my little joy giver on this next slide, which is pretty cute. Um. <laughs> well, you do a really nice high note, low note for us, okay? High note, low note. <laughs> Good singing. High note, low note. <laughs> He's also a ham. <laughs> <laughs> so he loves to he loves to have people laughing. Um, so what about William's siblings? You know, uh, how has he displayed? How has God displayed his wisdom to William's siblings through him? Matthew recently shared with me. I asked him, you know, what has life been like for you with William? And he said, Mom, I can't imagine my life without William. I have more compassion on people, and William's so normal, Mom. <laughs> But there was a time when William didn't seem so normal and where um, it was hard. We would be at 
the airport or we would be at a play. And if William wasn't happy to be there, he would just sit down and just shut down, you know, not move. And that's really hard. It's hard for a teenager to get stares and that would happen. Um, as a middle schooler, Clara, we were at the Mall of America and she was on the roller coaster with William and they rode the roller coaster. But you know, why would William want to get off the roller coaster when it's done? You know, there, that's just a ridiculous thought to him. And so he did not get off. He sat there and it was really hard. And we had a lot of situations like that. And I would say, you know, at that age, he wasn't two, he was seven or eight years old. So, you know, those were some of the, I would say the sufferings of having a child with a disability for kids, that's hard. Um, it's hard for adults. They have also really, they have really grown in compassion. It's the kind of compassion that comes from uh, carrying your heavy brother across the backyard for the hundredth time because he will not tolerate the feeling of grass underneath his feet. <laughs> or the kind of compassion that comes from tying your 13-year-old brother's shoe again. Or the kind of compassion, and this is Matthew, that comes from running beside your brother's bike through the neighborhood over and over again uh, for days so that he can go on a family bike ride. So that is, you know, that is something that has been deeply built into my kids. Um, so wisdom compelled, um, excuse me, wisdom compelled Will William's siblings to show compassion. But a Samaritan came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds. And here is the final video, which is this, our big boy on his bicycle. was a long time coming. I think he was 13, 13 or 14. So um, anyway, what about me? How has God displayed his wisdom to me through William? I shared earlier with you about being a perfectionist, high control, and I believe that the Lord has used William to, to produce a lovely undoing of uh, my addiction to those things. Also my gravitation toward pride. Uh, over the years, our family has been stared at, um, pitied. Sometimes we couldn't participate in retreats or activities or vacations. And those are not huge sufferings, but combined, uh, they are trials. And, and they have humbled me and taught me about sharing in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. I, am, I feel more free and joyful now than I used to be. Uh, when you live life with someone who is disabled, you don't have, I, I call it image management. You don't have a lot of time for image management. And, um, you know, William's 16, and the questions that I ask about William right now are, what can I do to get him one friend? Um, or, oh, he's watching Elmo again on his iPad. He's too old to watch Elmo. And, um, you know, at the next blood draw, will it take an hour and four adults to hold him down? <laughs> so, you know, it's, those are the kinds of things you think about. 
And again, those aren't dramatic sufferings, but just trials that, trials that cause me to cry out to Jesus. And of course, that is a good thing. There are also many, many gains. William models for me a glorious non-self-consciousness. He knows and accepts uh, that Jesus loves him and that there are many people who love him. He has the ability to see humor in things. And he receives the gospel like a child. And I just think, I want to be like that. Um, and I thank, I thank the Lord that through William, I feel like I've learned to measure beauty very differently. I value efficiency less. And I shrink back a little less in the face of suffering. In the book, When God Weeps, by Johnny Erickson Tata and Stephen Estes, Estes write, writes, every sorrow we taste will one day prove to be the best possible thing that could have ever happened. We will thank God endlessly in heaven for the trials he sent us here. This is not Disneyland. It is truth. So how has the world seen wisdom displayed through William? Last year, we, uh, during COVID lockdowns, we did an online class called Improv in Years. And uh, there was a leader and a group of young of peers with Down syndrome. They were all online in their little boxes. And uh, the teacher would call out this day. She was calling out words. Uh, and the kids she would take turns giving back a couple words that reminded them of that topic. And William got the word Christmas. And without any prompting from me, I was in the kitchen, I think, William launched into um, Linus's this, what, this is what Christmas is all about speech. He did the whole thing, and it got kind of quiet. But when, the, when she, he was done, the teacher said, William, that was amazing. And that is what Christmas is all about. And uh, it was such a blessing. Then again, last summer, uh, there was a baseball tournament that William was in for the special needs baseball. And William and I got our food and we went back to the picnic table and there was a mom there waiting for her family to bring their food. And without skipping a beat, William folds his hands, bows his head, closes his eyes, and he's ready to pray. And so I prayed out loud and the lady looked very surprised. <laughs> but I thought, I wonder how the Lord might have used that that day, you know. Uh, he also has a very teachable heart. We've been reading through Proverbs and we all take a turn reading a proverb. And obviously a huge theme is folly versus wisdom. And I sometimes don't know if William is grasping a concept, but one day he was watching a Disney cartoon and uh, he, one of the characters was behaving badly. And William said to me, Mom, Captain Pete is so folly. <laughs> and uh, I was like, he's getting it. <laughs> uh, so I hope you've been able to recognize uh, the death and resurrection that God has taken me through with William and how God's wisdom has been displayed through his disability to me and to our family. You know, what I would say is maybe the Lord is calling you to a death of some kind. Uh, your death may not be disability like Claire you had mentioned, but um, is there something else that the Lord has his finger on? We have fellowship waiting if we are willing to go low with Jesus. And you may not be able to fathom right now what the resurrection will be um, or when it will come, which is hard, but you can trust God to bring it. 
And when he does, you will love Jesus more. In closing, I just wanted to make a, answer a question that Becky had asked me to bring up, which was some ways we can be an encouragement to other moms who have children with disabilities or who are working through challenges. And um, I think, honestly, the kickoff for support in our church is church membership and small group involvement. I think that that's just kind of the, the foundation for providing care. Um, so that would be one thing I would say that's really important. Things like meals and, and prayer and childcare, those are amazing, wonderful things. But you know, all of those things really are best mobilized through small groups. So uh, that's why those rise up for me. Um, in the case of disability, I would say, of course, reach out to Lexi and the disability ministry. Most churches do not have uh, disability ministries, um, and I consider it part of our pro-life ministry here. Uh, the other thing I would say as far as just your, your own family and with disability would be uh, to get connected with someone who has a disability. Uh, teach your kids not to stare but instead to greet William and other kids or adults like him, they will learn quickly that disabled people are people just like them. So thank you all so much for having me.